Well, ho, 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 and welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, we love seeing you live every Thursday night. So hello, Facebook land, YouTube land. Chats are always fun. Good seeing you there. And remember, your chats just might show up on the show. So keep it tame. Keep it tame. And as always, if you can't catch us live, catch the replay or listen to us in your favorite podcasting app. My name is still John Ruark, past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957. And next up, Jason Richards. How's it going, Jason? caught you off guard it's going great john how are you fantastic awesome <clears throat> jason richards here uh just sending something by via airdrop so that i can share it on the show later uh past master vacation lodge number 16 in clifton virginia member of the colonial lodge number 1821 in washington dc and lafayette lodge number 79 in the grand lodge of ohio or under the grand lodge of ohio Glad to be here. AF and AM? FAM? You have to use the full title. <sighs> no. While you think about that, airdrop that answer over to yourself. Next up, Joe Martinez. How's it Hello. going? Hello. Joe Martinez. Um, I am and still Joe Martinez. And uh, let's see. Past master. Woo. Uh, Manassas Lodge, number 182 in Manassas, Virginia. We'll do the Jason thing. Uh, let's see. A member of Benjamin B. French Lodge, number 15. In the District of Columbia, and Ezekiel Bates Lodge, no number. In the Grand Lodge, Massachusetts, oh, uh, Harmon right. Lodge, number four twenty in North Carolina, and a bunch of other places too. And uh, as always, damn glad to be here. Yay! Yay! Awesome. Robert's on his way. He had to fit into his Santa suit, so uh, you know that that takes time. I get the butter it does out. Take time. Yes. Mm. <laughs> All right, gotta <laughs> squeeze on in nice let's see let's see want to give a special shout out to the patrons who support the show you guys are awesome Thank you you're awesome yes every day you're awesome you are even on saturdays twice on sundays and twice on sundays how awesome you are so if you want to support the show head over to patreon.com slash the masonic roundtable and make it a new year's resolution absolutely yeah might as well start now Boom. Might as well start now. Can we can we talk about the uh, TMR fourth annual Secret Santa? Yes, that was exchange. fantastic. That was absolutely amazing. We had thirty five participants. Uh, hopefully, most all of whom have gotten some sort of of gift uh, from a secret TMR fan. Um, right. So, Joe, what did you end up getting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, it's a secret. So we were talking about this. You wouldn't call it a secret Santa. If you told my secret Santa was, I got the message that your, your gift shipped and I am super grateful. The problem is, (laughs) is that there are a ton of Amazon boxes that all say Joe Martinez upstairs that have not been opened. And for those over 13, you know why? Um, So I will get to them between now and, and Monday, I promise. And next week we'll talk about, the lovely gifts because last I still have last year on my desk. Um, yeah, awesome, awesome. Looking forward to it. And uh, you know, I know my my pick got his gift, and I uh, hope you liked it. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Yeah, I received a really cool copy of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. 
like full like, Egyptian. huge like 11 by 17 spread with like gorgeous scans of uh of the most complete like papyrus that uh that we have oh and jose got the surrealist tarot interestingly yeah. enough the surrealist tarot was the gift i got last year nice from brother jose i believe um, nice. so it's the gift yeah, that keeps on giving yes uh, i did not re-gift it to him i, no, I have it up on my yeah up on my That's wall what they all say yeah prove it okay so uh good times you know what we might even do this again next year maybe all right let's do that Bye. yes um patron secret santa all right i think we are now up to that special time of year special time and of every show mm. where we play the tarot card of the week jason play us in <laughs> Never gets old. Wow. Never, <laughs> ever gets old. Oh, but it does. It <laughs> except, does. <laughs> except the Joe. Uh, so, yeah, um, getting into the, uh, the divinatory aspect of tonight's show. Thank you for pointing that out, Nanya. I will ban you if you continue. We've got the Yuletide Tarot. Um, I'm just kidding. It's not very Christmassy to uh, to ban it's the Yuletide Tarot. The Yuletide Tarot. Yes, we uh, right. we pulled this out a couple episodes ago, <laughs> and so really, really great, really interesting. You know, Yule slash Saturnalia themed uh, deck, and you know we may see one or two cards pop up later in tonight's show, but uh, for now, oof, oof. Oh, for now we have the five of cups or the five oh. of good cheer. That oh, that's oh, not a great one. Well, I mean, not. I mean, we're we're at the end of the year, so yeah. people are reminiscing. So maybe they're reminiscing a little too hard. Mm-hmm. Well, or or reminiscing or focusing on like the wrong things focusing right. a lot i love the way you said that right because yeah. in in the rider weight system three are broken but two still stand and yet we're focusing on the negative without uh, appreciating the positive that still exists so right um yeah, yeah it's not like it's the ten of swords no that, that would suck <laughs> but yeah so that's um yeah it's a cool card um again it's a good it's a good one for reflection end of the year but get over it quick and Suck move on up. to new crap, basically, is <laughs> yeah. what we're telling you. Yep. Don't uh, don't overwhelmingly focus on the things you haven't been able to achieve this year. Which I think is a really, really cool point from just tarot cards in general, right? That there is both a positive and negative aspect to it. Yeah. So even the positive cards can have, like, uh, if you're too positive, if you're too optimistic about something, you could be, you know, not, you could be off balance and you could be not taking right. care of something that you need to, right? Um, so... And we all know that one person, you know, like you ever see that person at work that's like way too, (laughs) way too bubbly. Yeah. And you just want them to leave. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not Joe Martinez. It is definitely not Joe Martinez. Come like 430. I'm not the 
the bubbly bottle of champagne that everybody else is. You're not the bubbly bottle of soda stream. <laughs> not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. But damn delicious. <sighs> this is nice. Uh, it's a nice show we had. Well, last soda time. stream. Where are you? Gosh. Send us stuff. So, I like I like that tarot deck, Jason. So, um, do we have an appropriate? santa claus theme card in this yuletide tarot we do actually so the oh. hierophant is actually sinterklaas mm. and okay. uh yeah. uh for benjamin rosenberger yes this is the exact yuletide tarot from christopher hughes and emin o'leary or and aaron o'leary brown um nice. just an amazing Set. So, the, so there's a red and white center claws. Yep. The fifth card on the major arcana. Yeah, and and of course, you know, center claws and the hierophant being mystical, religious figures with um, you know spiritual overtones and you know trying trying to take care of of. You know, your spirituality first and foremost, right? Yep. Spiritual institutions. Yes. Yep. Yep. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. No problem. All right. Let's. Well, let's. I was just looking at that. He doesn't look uber Greek and tan in that <laughs> picture. He doesn't have the huge forehead. <laughs> <laughs> well, given Sinterklaas is Germanic. Yeah. Um, yeah, but St. Nicholas was... Not St. Nicholas, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue, because... Right, do it. Santa, Santa Claus is many things to many people. And depending on your tradition, it's the right one. But for everyone else's, it's wrong. In some jurisdictions, he's a mason, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, so first off, it's the solstice today. So it's the darkest yes. day of the year. Minute, 40 minutes, baby. But who's counting? Death, death of I the am. sun, and yeah. we eagerly await its rebirth come tomorrow morning. Yep. Happy winter solstice in yeah. 45 minutes. So, yeah, what I love about this is good timing for the show, but also, why do we celebrate the solstice? You know, one thing that I like to reflect upon on this time of year is, and you'll see a lot of these themes if you try to do some research about, like, what does the solstice mean? Like, why do people celebrate it? And like in astrology when you're like studying like the phases of the moon for example like you think like full moons are things to, to be celebrated but in fact full moons are like the beginning of death like it's the beginning of the decline it can't get any bigger right and it's only you know going to uh, to shrink and wane down and so really you should celebrate the new, new beginnings on the new moon exactly yes. <clears throat> where you can't see the moon it's getting ready to begin it's getting ready to grow and the same is true for the solstice, right? Where here we appreciate the harvest, right? We've celebrated where we are and where we, you know, we are today and know that it's only going to get lighter after today. Doesn't mean necessarily easier though, because the... You're a, you're a five of cups kind of person, aren't you? You are, you're... you're totally. You're well, hard. when you look at, I mean, when you look at the, you know, pagan roots of yule and the celebration of uh the winter solstice you know 
a lot of this was preparation for the lean years in the agrarian society. So they had the harvest. Mm-hmm. They had a big celebration because of their bountiful harvest, but they also ate up all the food that they couldn't store and slaughter the animals they wouldn't be able to feed during January and February, which were the lean months agriculturally. And so it was both a celebration, but then also, you know, a, a preparation and or initiation um, into the next cycle of their society. And so, yes, yes, it was a celebration, but it was also preparation for, you know, the hardship that they knew was, was going to be coming. Definitely five of cups. Definitely. But yeah, well, to that point, I mean, it really was. And, you know, over the centuries, we've covered it with gift giving and we've started to merge traditions together as people become more homogenous. Right. But, you know, for thousands of years and across different, different cultures, you know, that didn't talk to each other. This was a celebration of of death, right? Of the end of the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's it's okay to celebrate that. So, I think that kind of dovetails nicely into all the things that came later, right? And then ended up with Hallmark movies and things like that, you know. True. Yes. Well, awesome. the twelve the twelve days of Christmas, originating from the Yule log, and so. What? They cut down a, a big Yule log and lit it ablaze. And traditionally, it was said to burn for 12 days. Eight crazy nights. I mean, 12. That's a different. Yeah. Okay. It was like two weeks ago. Candles yeah. versus evergreen tree. Okay. All right. Close, but no cigar. Well, good segue well, to our, to our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. Yes. Happy belated Hanukkah. It came early Indeed. this year. Um, so, yeah, you guys, you guys partied already. So much rejoicing indeed your gifts were awesome yeah. one thing one thing that i i know we're going to get to santa claus in a moment but one yeah, thing that i themed that i found particularly interesting in some of my research is that there is there was a kind of theory that you know certain times in certain times of the year the barrier between you know, spiritual and earthly is thinner than others. Um, Halloween being a noted example of, you know, that, that idea that you dress up to ward off any of the spirits that have crept through, but also there's, there's a bit of an inverse property between spiritual energy and physical energy. And so, at the winter solstice, the sun's physical energy is at its minimum, and the resulting spiritual energy associated with um, with that time of year is at its maximum. And then it's it's flipped in uh, in the summer solstice. You're a lot more reflective when it's cold. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh gosh am i gonna make it through this <laughs> well, um, nowadays we just get a whoopee and a blanket that's true that is, um true. this is an interesting one so nunya says according to albert pike the philosopher's stone is red and white according to other sources it's not of course the philosopher's stone is supposed to represent a certain someone now let's just talk at a macro level about the phases of alchemy which in the primary phases, right? You have you have four four stages, but 
like you know, at least will pass through um uh white black and red so you got you got santa claus colors right there anyway which is kind of cool yep. he was a alchemist indeed yes and the physical versus spiritual energy piece was taken from max heindel's a mystical interpretation of christmas for those who want to research that more and uh rj loves his max heindel oh he does not here yet still fitting into the santa suit i know mm-hmm. ran out of vaseline he had to go get more <laughs> get the- crisco <laughs> man i haven't used i haven't seen crisco in a while oh we just had to buy some my mom is criscoing like everything that my mom's here for the holidays and everything she makes has crisco in it so we're, we're gonna Wrong be good lard for this solstice see we're gonna be chubbied up and warm okay nice yes so yeah so as you can tell this is gonna be a potpourri of esoterically related um holiday uh thing so while we will talk about santa claus i mean it's really good to to pull in these different traditions because the, the christmas we celebrate today is really an amalgamation you know of a lot of different traditions it's a smorgasbord it's no. a smorgasbord no and it's a birthday party it's no it's, it's like pagan party. and like it's a well, birthday Druid. party i mean it's a birthday party for the sun deity so yeah, yeah. Party. so totally fun fun fact where did december 25th as the birth of birth of christ come from do you know without looking at my notes i i, I don't i never read I, notes, so i can yes that's true <laughs> i have looked at your notes however um i do have an an alternate hypothesis from uh, charles ledbeater okay but well, go ahead well, he's oh. wrong. So um, the church, early church fathers, you're a terrible person, selected December 25th only because, hey, RJ, it was a uh, tradition for saints that their birthday, if they didn't know it, was actually assigned to, I'm sorry, the date they were conceived was assigned to the date they were executed or martyred. So, uh, they assigned the uh, crucifixion to March 25th. And therefore, they said, well, if that was a date Jesus conceived, nine months later would be December 25th. So, which just happens to align to Saturnalia and all these other winter solstice activities. And well, so, so this is a very coincidental. chicken or egg thing. Like, what what was like Christianized first, the spring festival or like the winter yes. solstice? Well, no. To, well, that, that's a fantastic question. I mean, they have date. You you can date some of this stuff. So, if we're going to talk about December twenty fifth itself, um. If we're going to talk about December 25th, it does show up in the 4th century um, in Christian writings. I think around the 330s. And um, you're exactly right. uh, What John said, even though I didn't read his notes, um, it is nine months after March 25th. Um, But if you look at primary sources, if you look at the Gospels and 1st century Christian writings... There's, you can already tell there's conflicting information that says this probably didn't happen in December, but nobody knows for sure. But um, yeah, so December 25th did start showing up as a birthday party around the 330s for the JC. For the, the JC. It was also uh, just convenience. 
and that's what uh, Leadbeater was getting at. Say more. It's like, you know, it, it was probably selected fairly early on in ecclesiastical history because it coincided with the Great Sun Festival, mm. and it was naturally convenient to take advantage of what was already a public holiday. Yep. And history tends to agree with that. I mean, uh, even though I hate Meat Beater, uh, look, he's, he's not far off from being wrong in that. I mean, we're looking at um, if, if, if you guys have each a different holiday and as the world grows and it becomes more social and you're like, oh, what do you do on this day? What do you do on this day? I mean, things are naturally going to mix together and kind of amalgamate anyway. And eventually you end up with exactly what we have today. I mean, no, like what is the Yule's purpose in Christmas, even though it's in songs? That is a Scandinavian thing. You know, I mean, like or, what, what do, um, you know, St. Nicholas has infiltrated Scandinavian tradition even as St. Nicholas rather than what it originally may have been which was you know like an elf or an odin type character hey when i when i lived in germany as a kid i put my shoes out for saint nicholas which is coincidental that it also falls at the same time as the happy honda days yep right i mean these are all things that just align it's it's amazing how these things all align yep but i mean uh, well rj you missed um we were going through the Yuletide tarot uh, before you hopped on, and I had commented how Sinterklaas looked very, very Northern European. And I'm like, you know, people don't realize that St. Nicholas was Greek. So he was very brown. He did not look like that. Okay. So St. Nicholas of Myrna, uh, you know, he operated in Turkey and Asia Minor, and but he was a Greek bishop. Um, and Jesus so. wasn't white. <gasps> like, so... Shaka you probably look like St. Right. Nicholas. So, you know, lots of similarities yeah. there, but, um, yeah. So. And, uh, one thing that was interesting too, research for the show, uh, about the history of St. Nicholas and all the other, um, predecessors, you know, uh, father Christmas, etc. Uh, one thing that was really interesting was the iconography of the saint, that it became a pattern where you know you when you make an a, a, an icon in in painting or or you know carvings that you want to have consistent symbolism inside of uh, the artwork <clears throat> so you can know from afar even if it's really bad artwork you can tell oh this is saint so and so and one common theme that stuck out with him true or not I don't know was the uh, the fact that he was made to have a large forehead poor guy like and yet yet you'll still see to this day klingon or not is he actually uh because he has the dark skin he has the high forehead yeah is is this uh proof that it was aliens i don't know furrowed brow to the max as well i mean that's not shopped but like i imagine the (laughs) i imagine the, the the artist behind this was like how can we show wisdom and thoughtfulness indeed and they were like, oh, like you scowl, you, you free your, your brow or, or whatever. It's the uh, ultimate past master. The ultimate. The, yeah. 
Yeah. Squishy, you, you're too smooth. It's like you don't worry about anything. Look at that. He has no fur and problem. You can't. You got that. So surprising, like, right? You think I'd be all like, there by now? Yeah. Latin, stress-free, European, like it's out on the beach in a speedo thing. But that's Saint uh, Nicholas, though. Done, yeah. though. He was he was Greek man, and he beat <clears> you know. He beached in Crete, you know. He hung out, and in the summer times, he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he got a good Winter. He's also a. I was going to say the sun is terrible for wrinkles. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He Nicholas is each time than me. He's a forge master and necromancer as well. <laughs> so that's cool. Nice. Rogue night elf. The best TMR shows are when I can't tell when people are being serious and talking complete bullshit. Oh, no, I'm serious. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's right. He brings three kids back from the dead from the, the butcher. That's yeah, that's amazing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so um, a needle pulling thread. But one thing that you brought up too, Jason, was interesting was why do Masons love Santa so much? Right. Um, some claim him at, to be to be a brother. Right. I haven't seen a dues card, so it can't prove it either way. But I think it's I think I still think it's a fascinating concept that we kind of have taken him taken him under our wings and like claim credit for his good deeds. And so why do you think there's that connection there between um Freemasonry and Santa Claus? Well, he's typically depicted as a um an obese a Caucasian geriatric <laughs> white male, which, which hits the <laughs> you know the demographic of American malecraft Freemasonry quite quite well. Um, oh my god! I can't tell if you're serious or not. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> That's funny. So that that there's one reason. <laughs> I got I got nothing for that. That was perfect. That was so dead on and perfect. I love it. So I will say I think. <clears throat> I think Masons like to, you know, take on the persona of Santa Claus really about the generosity, right? You know, Santa Claus really is here to do good and give good gifts to, to mankind. And I think, um, you know, in our, in our utopian idealist, you know, sense, you know, Freemasonry is very much, you know, supposed to do the same yeah charity right charity above all yeah. um do good into all have exemplify brotherly love yeah give help out the community yeah as a natural um, you know yeah. charitable works as a natural extension of agape and charity oh now you're now you're just mixing terms agape and charity but are you're not wrong Yes, are the same. Mystery loves thing. mixing things up. Nobody cares. Egregore something something Mix something. It up. Square <laughs> <on> it. <laughs> That's called symbolism. I mean, symbolism. right? Albert Pike is the modern allegory of Santa Claus. No, he just looks like him. My favorite is when uh, <laughs> um, Art de Hoyos always posts uh, Santa Claus amalgamated Albert Pike image. <laughs> oh yes with the photoshopped hat mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> brilliant all right so rj let's talk about this um this little excerpt that you found to go deep into maybe possibly another interpretation of 
the esoteric meaning of Santa Claus. So I'm gonna let you set us up and oh, we'll help you knock it down. I, you know sure, sure. Um, many, many a year ago, uh, uh, a brother just so wild and crazy, uh, brother Frodero actually was like, "Hey man, you ever read George W. Carey?" And I was like, "No, man. Like, who's that?" He's like, "You got to check out a book." So I was like, "Okay, cool." So I found the only one that um, I could, which was called. Uh, God, man, the word made flesh. So this is a really interesting book, but like, if you're not ready to go and get wild, then maybe don't pick this up. Well, um, this goes up to 11 for sure. I mean, it's, it's like a cult anatomy of man, like style. Crazy. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Yeah. So the book itself um, is published uh, by Dr. George W. Carey. Uh, first edition came out in 1920. The book is dedicated to, quote-unquote, the God in thee, O woman, O man, for thou art God-man. Um, and the book is really um, sort of a 1920s rendition of what you could consider an esoteric... Um, New Age approach to Christian um, ideas and probably not ideas that are always like on the surface that everybody knows about, but maybe like nuances, right? So things like uh, the books rejected by the Council of Nicaea, um, marvelous story of Joseph and Mary, the explanation of turning water into wine. But if one gets all the way up to uh, page 107, you get to a, a chapter called The Mystery of Santa Claus Revealed. And this is a wonderful uh, sort of allegorical explanation. And I say that in the sense of whether it's true or not, he tends to take the symbol, all, all of what we know about Santa Claus, and he takes that and he throws it on top of exactly what Jason said. It's a cult anatomy of man. We talk about the chimneys, the spinal cord, the cerebral spinal fluid. Um, it talks about uh, just pineal gland. Yeah. The pineal gland. Uh, yeah. The part it, it, the part of the skull at the pole where everything comes together. Yeah. So like the little fountain fountainella, um, yeah, that's really macabre turn too. They call it so it's the fontanella, fontanella, right? Because if you pierce that as a baby, it shoots blood out, and that's why it's called the little fountain. <laughs> um, so you have to find that out at least once. It says there is a Santa Claus. It is a physiological fact, and it does secrete the most holy and wonderful gift or substance in the body of every individual. Those who understand it, who receive it in right spirit, have become as little children. So this is uh, just an illusion, I think, really, to something that's... I, I, we'll use mainstream academia in quotes because I want people to think I'm crazy. Um, you, can't, you can't mention certain... Like, you can't go against the, the um, certain medical established areas or academic established areas without looking to become a fool and getting your public funding pulled and, and all of that Becoming kind of a thing. Pariah. 
and then yeah, yeah. academia yeah yeah exactly and this is this was like it's crazy like dr rick straussman dealt with this when he first started to uh do his work on dimethyltryptamine dmt uh, and, and checking out the pineal gland and right to get into that area of study he had to make several concessions and and uh talk about like hey i want to study the pineal gland because it also secretes melatonin right so he goes up and does a study up in uh uh up up in alaska where it's dark all the time because he wants to study what happens with melatonin so he does all this stuff because he's got this curiosity but it really is this idea that you can't study that stuff because it's like uh people are going to laugh at you and of course the entire world is like oh you can't do timothy leary acid drugs blah 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 stuff even though psychologists were giving uh, doses of lsd to the patients with positive results so well, it's similar to the the taboo that existed around near-death experiences exactly in the 1970s right yep totally yeah and so what's wild about that whole thing is we're looking at um you're looking at something written in 1920 that is that is exploring those same ideals um and and kind of talking about them in a poetic way using this blanket of christmas to explain sort of this uh uh childlike ecstasy one might feel in in the wonders of christmas um, well, well, RJ, that- can we can we also talk about how you're getting called out in the comments for oh, not having festive yeah. attire it's not too late i love my wife <laughs> her, her red sweater and coffee. Well, I, was, right. I, was I, I say, didn't know there was one, Corey. Jeez. Oh, go bring it to him. Yes, for those um, playing the the audio game, uh, you know, RJ's lovely wife chimed in saying, "RJ knows that there's a Santa hat on the blanket ladder in the living room." RJ, this uh, <laughs> he's out. This he's going to get his hat. Sweet. But so while he's gone, I was actually yeah. going to touch on better something. living through peer pressure and communal shame. That's, that's how you get things done is peer pressure and shame. Yes. Literally how the world, especially in Mason. Yes. But, uh, you should I, really jump in the line. You totally are making me forget things. Oh, I remember now. Um, so when Robert was talking about, um, uh his the writings here i mean that was kind of the time for it though you know it same period as hall wilmshurst you know the early 1920s the oh yeah ethical movement that's when all these people were it's very much an occult revival yeah, yeah. it was probably the peak of it you know now Look he's a handsome guy look at it him. is santa claus you're almost there buddy almost there almost oh well yeah i'm not really but I'm, i am yeah you almost are <laughs> I'll never be confused with Santa Claus because I'm kind of dark, you know. You are confused with the historical accuracy. Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas. Yeah, let me get that high forehead. Forehead. <laughs> there you go. Now you just need to scrunch it together. Someone Photoshop some Klingon furls on me. I'll be good. Yeah, and install. I'm doing that again. Let's no, let's go. no. I just put the screen oh, cap. It's no. fine. Okay. Uh, so one thing I found interesting about this excerpt that you, you shared with us is it's a, it's a leap. It's a logical leap. I'm not going to lie, but you know, relating the name Klaus to the claustrum part of the brain back to the occult anatomy perspective that got me going down this whole rabbit hole of what is the function of the claustrum in the brain? 
But I, I will say this entire discourse strikes me as like the folks who try to do like gematria with different like transliterations or English spellings of words. Yeah. It's goofy. So <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. We were talking about this before the show. I was, I, I like the book. I like, I think I've, I got the book. I probably got the book when you and Fratero were talking about it the very first time years and years ago. Um, but some of the stuff in there is just a stretch and, you know, we're talking about things spaced apart by millennia and language and it's cool, but yeah. Well, this is also like the era of expansion and um, I, I'll call it proliferation, but in a way that is like broken apart and moving across of theosophy, right? Which is this whole big thing that was trying to connect all the things that you could ever think of to find a universal truth in the hopes that you could come to some sort of utopian uh, ideology of, of deity and, and all of the things. And so, yeah, obviously, you know, this guy is probably inspired by guys like George Arundel or, you know, any of those people, but, it's just in vogue and, it, and it's you missed my allusion to max heindel oh did i yeah my, max is uh right up there as he's well as the uh um it's like he's the unauthorized um uh what, what, do you, what do you call it Deci- he's like the unauthorized disciple of rudolf steiner in america <laughs> he basically nice. just like repackages steiner's stuff and the, the, the web to your preston <laughs> yeah yeah but probably worse like he meant well but he's he definitely uh copied Screw right, so copyright laws so what's a what's a claustrum okay let's talk about the claustrum part of the brain so it was whether there's a link or not which I would tend to agree with the rest of the hosts. This is a stretch, but let's run with it. Like, let's pick up this ball and run with it for what it's worth. Claus, claustrum, uh, that claustrum is the word means like a barrier or a covered place or a hidden place, a place of seclusion. And its function in the brain is actually a thin veil, a thin wall between different sections of the brain. And so, um, one thing I felt also, it's also important to note, you know, this is claustrum, not colostrum. Yeah. Just, it sounds similar, but we are not talking about breast milk. Yes. Yes. That's correct. So, so the claustrum, it's, it's function is actually, and, and this is a blend between actual science and, and this text it is actually a conduit right between different modalities of the brain between different functions of the brain between um <clears throat> your different different hemispheres so it acts not only as a wall but also as um for my electrical engineers as a, like a bus like a serial bus that actually everything plugs into <clears throat> so that um they, they can talk to each other and we know this is true because if you actually look at the clinical significance of the claustrum, they found that uh, by um, hooking up electrodes to it and trying to shock it and trying to see what it, how it reacts, they found that patients uh, went in and out of consciousness by turn, basically turning the switch on and off. 
Now, well, there have been patients. No, no, no plural. I mean, your mouse was literally on a single case study. I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's one. Well, no, because well, they've tried to replicate it a couple times. I stand corrected then. You do well, stand corrected. It's also right. been used in in uh, lobotomy surgeries, you know, where where you actually split the the two halves of the brain through the mm-hmm. the claustrum um, to again help treat things like schizophrenia and right. epileptic seizures. Yeah. So, um, what's really fascinating about this is while they couldn't necessarily call it a switch for consciousness like people just didn't like check out because they wouldn't you know they wouldn't have remembered or anything uh what they actually did when they were in that off state what they can say is that it definitely is a switch to a down state or a better way of saying it is a switch between um, awakenedness and and being a quote-unquote asleep yeah what what's interesting it was really uh Anybody out there can look this up. I mean, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, people who like suffered from a, uh, a tonic seizures and those kinds of things. This is where they, you, you kind of alluded, they, they used to cut through the corpus. That's called a corpus uh, callus, not callosomy, callosotomy. Uh, and basically they just, yeah, they open up your, your, your brain and they cut right down the middle and separate the halves. And this basically stops the electrical signals from jumping and causing seizures. Uh, what they found out, they're like, oh, well, why don't you just do this for everybody who's got this thing? Well, the reason they don't is because like, uh, you know, one side of your brain, let's just say is like colors. The other side is like objects. And if you put something down the middle and you show them an object and have them close one eye, they can't tell you what color something is or uh, if you close the other eye, they can't tell you what the object is. But if they open both eyes, bam, it's there. So, you know, this is just it's, it's such a, a real like you called it a, a serial bus. And, and right. that's like a yep. perfect electrical yeah. near term for this, which yeah. is really fascinating because as George Carey goes into in further detail, you know, he also alludes to the claustrum as containing a yellow substance um, as the priceless oil, the oil. Right, that flows down. The Christos. Joe. The Christos. The Christos, the anointed one. Mm. Exactly. So uh, there is no oil-like substance necessarily in the medical um, claustrum. However, let's run with that metaphor for a second. If the, um, the claustrum acts as a conduit, as an enterprise you know, serial bus, for example, then it's going to flow down all these functions down through the rest of the body. And um, George Carey says that this oil becomes now a, a metaphor for being anointed, like, you know, how you're anointed on your head and it, it carries down to your body. Even and on your beard. Yes, even even mm-hmm. Aaron's beard, surprisingly. The of your garments. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And it gets on to the dew of what her. What kind of anointing was going on back then, man? It's like a lot. There was a lot of best, the best anointing. It's the, it's the oil of joy. Yep. Yellow showers. And gladness. So, so you, think, you think about that, right? Like cerebral spinal fluid. Yeah. This, this is the stuff right. that, that like, uh, you know, carries everything. All of your, uh, all of the, the various uh, molecules of the, uh, 
you know, your melatonin, uh, the dimethyltryptamine, your oxytocin, all of those things get just like flooded from that spot. And so it's interesting. He calls it calls attention to it like as this yellow oil. Um, well, it's also a protectant and a lubricant. Yeah. As well, being oiled, you know, it keeps your brain from rattling around in your skull. It keeps your neurons from being impinged. Mm-hmm. And Carrie even references like the pineal gland, right? The opening up of that third eye, the whole cut like Kundalini practice to become that fire, the right? lantern, spark, the lantern oh. of the body. So here's my culmination of all of that right she doesn't explicitly call this out at the end but here's how i put this all together that tying it all the way back to santa claus that in the exoteric the outside of the body that santa as the claustrum is the conduit to the light of the world right relating all the way back to christos the anointed one and so he the light of the world emblematical of the sun god relating back to sun worship and so who carries on the archetype of christ every december 25th right you could argue that santa is that conduit i think that your your logic here is sound considering where we're looking for this i mean george is it's not like he it's not like plumer or like some of these other guys who take a very wide uh gamut of uh, world mythologies and religions to come up with things that are similar george is really focused on uh things of a, a christian a western christian kind of understanding of things almost like um, and I don't mean this in any uh deprecating way or whatever but almost like he's trying to inform uh, the types of people in society who would be benefactors of, you know, theosophy or what have you, like a teacher to people who are on the up and up and maybe, um, I just don't know. Like I see this guy at a party in the great Gatsby, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're, you're, uh, your logical uh i don't want to say a leap because it's not a leap your steps through this are are spot on john well yeah no i mean to to your point i think the whole book is is kind of like that to your point rj right because i mean even in the title i mean that is just dripping with christian symbolism right there the word made flesh i mean we could do a week's worth of shows on that right and and that interpretation and how that steps outside of dogma and just gets into all these other realms of cool stuff to write books on so so there's one take i like it i'm digging it <clears throat> anything else on uh this this text here george carey's text well i think he he also tries to make a bit of a connection between the the greek characters of of christ you know the the kai the ro and the iota um and christ itself meaning oil in greek um joe is joe is making the the i pooped face um 
We all don't have a doctorate in in religious. Sorry, I mean, you don't have doctorate it in. Mean that. Go. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. Okay, I don't. I don't. Oh. I don't make my chicken cutlets with Christos. Extra virgin Christos, okay? But you do use about Crisco. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, my belly is full of Crisco right now. So, well, and that's, and that's getting confirmed. back to my my point about you know trying trying to push American or or English words and terminologies into like a geometria type of. And, and that's kind of the sense I got when he started. Yeah. When he started, yeah. To to your point, Jason, that's where I my head was going when. Um, he started to talk about the, I, I think, unfortunately, that's a leap. You know, when we're talking about Christos, 100%. that meant anointed, right? But, right. you know, when you start talking about oil itself and things like that, then we're getting into words that don't mean the same thing and don't even touch each other uh, grammatically across the centuries, you know, from... You mean words matter? They do. They do. So yeah, that one, that one kind of cheesed me a little bit, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll have some extra virgin Christos tomorrow um, <laughs> with my French fries. So you ever have uh, yeah, like use some of that extra awesome coconut Christos. So good. I like, I like the OGs, man. The olive. Yeah, me too. Hey Jason, what about the uh, sun God? Oh man, I thought you'd never ask. So, <clears throat> I mean, we we have touched on this quite a bit already in the episode, but there are a lot of parallels um, across mythologies on the celebration of the birth of sun gods. Many of these stories actually share common elements with the story of Jesus, you know, and and his birth. Um, so ultimately, when we look at, you know, midwinter and the solstice marking the birth of a new solar cycle, um, this ties in very closely with solar worship and sun worship um, and the, the victory over the darkness, uh, you know, that is the, the birth of, um, you know, the, the new sun or, or as yeah. Ro- as it was known in Rome, the uh, the birthday of the unconquered sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to I think also call out that as we talk about this, I don't want people to think that um, we're advocating for any sort of um, uh, Christian stole Christmas kind of thing. Um, no, I think I, I think I think when we're talking about this, it's important to say like, yeah. Uh, this stuff comes together naturally. Um, people like there was, there are amalgamations of ideas. Sometimes people celebrate two birthdays on the same day. Um, just because there are amazing stories of virgin births uh, across every mythology doesn't mean that one is stealing from the other. It's a, it's a common sort of human thought process. It's, uh, you know, all of those yeah. things. No, but I mean, to, to your point, it wasn't, we have a very modern sensibility when it comes to this, right? Yeah. And and we have to remember warts and all. Let's talk about the Roman Empire. We can talk about many others, but let's talk about the Roman Empire specifically. 
when they stole an idea or they let people do things that they did in their local land, even after they were conquered, um, there wasn't this idea of like, oh, well, you're stealing my culture and that kind of thing. That's the Roman um, Empire. Uh, the Roman Empire at the time operated in a way, well, hey, if there's a really good thing going and it's good for you people and there's things that we can incorporate too, we're going to do it. And everybody was okay with it. It wasn't like a shock thing. And yeah, oh, just oh pay my the God, tax, like that. I don't want. Yeah, it was a way to let the people in a conquered land, unfortunately, right? Because that's what they did. They ran out and conquered. Um, let them keep some sort of their own self-same traditions and ideas and things and gave them some sort of identity. But for many, many people in the Western world at the time, that sense of identity being brought into the greater Roman Empire was seen as a, a point of pride, right? And not so much a thing like, well, they stole my identity and they're wearing, you know, my thing or doing my thing. It, it wasn't looked at in a negative way for a lot of people. For some, it sucked, you know, but for many, it didn't. And, and but again, we we have this modern idea that's like, oh, they took things and stole them. Um, it wasn't looked at like that. Well, and I, I think it's also important to note that like what we're really talking about here are foundational human archetypes, right the the archetype of a new birth and the comfort that we as humans feel with the light and the salvation and and trying to bring in you know a a closeness to god like how how can you get closer to the divine if the divine comes down and inhabits you know a, a physical form and so you know, I think uh, one thing that, that Nanya, you know, has, has asked in the chat is, could it be because we have the same designer? I, mean, I, I have advocated on the show, you know, a number of times that, you know, the, the soul or, or, you know, is, there is a shard of divinity in us, whether it be the Holy Spirit or the soul, uh, whatever Sorry. have you the spark and you know maybe that spark imbues all of mankind um with a kind of predilection for certain like thematic archetypes which is why you see so many commonalities across mythologies and religions and cultures um and so it's not necessarily that you know someone stole something or or not you know, it's, it's okay if the narrative adapts and changes to better meet the needs of the culture it's serving. Because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. That is not what I said. Mm. All right. Sorry. I love it. Jesus said that, didn't he? I have right. been and always will be your friend. Your bra. All right. Let's uh, wrap things up. We are not going to meet next week. So we will see you next year, but uh, let's start taking it home on our esoteric Christmas episode. Jason. Uh, this was fun. This Woo. was a, a super fun episode. I had an absolute blast uh, researching for the show and also talking with, with all these fine uh, gentlemen here and the, the great folks on the chat. Um, I think it's very important when you when you look at especially like religious ceremonies you know it, it's important to broaden your research and in, in your mind to other areas where 
other people of different spiritual backgrounds or faith systems or cultures may be doing something similar, but in a, in a different way. And it's very important not to see that as competition, but perhaps as, you know, an expression of, you know, some of the universal foundational truths inherent in, in mankind. I think that's, that's where we've kind of brought this in for, for this episode We've done Christmas episodes before um, where we focused more on the non-Christian aspects. And so I was excited to be able to, to delve really into some of the Christos mythology uh, and, and more of the overtly syncretic aspects of Christmas um, you know, in, in this episode. So this was a ton of fun. I hope everybody has as much fun as we did. Woo! Over to you, Joe. Ooh, awesome. It is 1027 on the East Coast. So I want to wish everybody a very, very happy winter solstice. Oh, now you can say it. Yeah, I can because it's 1027. Yeah. So happy winter solstice, everybody. I wish you a year of rebirth and renewal and blessings and love um, for everybody around you. So ignore that five of cups. Just turn around. Don't focus on the three broken cups. That's right. Jason. Um, no, this was a fun show. Um, I, I, I want to echo everything that, that Jason said. Um, and I think this was a good example of how we can get together and talk about things that speak to an underlying truth. Right. And, you know, we talk about similarities and we talk about, um, syncretism, but, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why we all come together is that we feel, and we know that there is, some sort of underlying and truth and purpose to everything. And uh, it's fun to unpack that. And I, I get to do that with some of the coolest people in the world. Um, so I want to wish y'all very happy holidays. Yep. Merry Christmas. And y- you can jump in a dumpster and, as you um, wish, as you wish. Okay. As you wish for 2024, we will say that more and less mean crap to Jason. Please. Okay. Yeah, good good thing uh, in January so we're gonna do our show. we're gonna do our resolutions. So start thinking about it now, Joe. Everybody's gonna be resolved. It won't be that. Nice okay. It will not, it will be, not that. be that. <laughs> All right, RJ. Uh, you know, I just feel like I was gonna say the idea of Christmas is important. I think that's a solid statement for anybody who celebrates Christmas, of course. But maybe I rather would say that what the world considers at this time of the year, this sort of celebration, all with a historical and contextual basis and what we kind of alluded to and jumped around here in solar symbolism and things, uh, these mythologies that kind of get born from all of that, regardless of all of that, the surface kind of lesson and where we're all sort of in the same pool is this special time of year that's special because the world considers this time of the year, whether it's Hanukkah, uh, Diwali or Christmas, whatever it is, right? Uh, We have this global consideration for being kinder, for goodness and of gratitude of community and I think what, you know, so many poets and, and movies have talked about and, and books, you know, goodwill toward all. And I think it almost is like a, a cosmic 
consciousness reset for everybody. It's a reminder to say, hey, um, remember that all of this stuff matters and people matter and yada, 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 right? Like, um, we might have a crappy year. We might be one of those people who eats, breathes, sleeps, work. And you're the guy on like conference calls, you know, maybe you're uh, the dad of Jamie trying to get the turbo man, but your son is your number one customer. You know, you're, you're mixing, Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> you're mixing a business with regular life. You know, you're doing all this stuff, but, and then here comes this time of year when it's for a lot of folks, absolutely miserable outside. And we're called to be closer to people and to be good and to think about others and make or buy gifts and send them or take them, give them all this. It's just magical, you know? And I think this episode was really fun because we got to unpack some of the additional mystical kind of ideas around what could connect a lot of these things um, in a uh, esoteric way to our spiritual practices. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I love Christmas time. It was never my favorite holiday until my wife, uh, like she overcompensated for you. You know, her birthday is a day before Halloween. I've always been a Halloween guy. I love Halloween. Um, and yeah, she is a Christmas uh, queen, so she loves Christmas and all that stuff. And I know you guys are the same way. Like our wives are all pretty similar with that stuff. And I don't know. I guess it just brings out the best in us. <laughs> so, right. Fun times. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. So I get to to play Joe and say what RJ said because it's exactly right. It's that time of year. Um, I always go introspective like this time of year because I always think about the end of the year, where we're going, celebrate the darkness, right? To in order to look forward to the light. Uh, Five of Cups was was again a, a, actually a more appropriate card uh, th than we initially thought because um, that's what it's all about, right? We 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 are in a dark state at the darkest time of the year, and you know, and yet we have new plans going forward. And this was fun um, thinking about what does this all mean? Like, why do we why do we have this distinct nature in ourselves across cultures, across time, across the continents that we all stop to celebrate, stop to reflect, stop to be in community with each other. And that's what this is all about. So um, there's there's lots of things that we could go deeper on. Uh, but We hope we've given you a little taste of something to think about as you proceed with your holiday tradition. And so for that, uh, We'll definitely see you next year. We're going to take off next week, uh, but we'll see you after the new year with some New Year's resolutions, hopefully. And we want to thank you all very much for watching. Keep, keep searching for more light. That's all. What Joseph? Wow. Keep searching for more light. Wow.